This is part one of a two parts podcast. I think it's on. Yeah, it's on. It's counting off numbers. It's on. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about rocket mass heater stuff. We've, I mean, we've all been here for the last four days and it's been, uh, four days of nothing but rocket mass heater stuff. And we're trying to move projects forward and, and there's been a fair number of observations. And so just real quick, who all's here? Zach Weiss. Derek Weiss. Paco Wenzel. And Tony Ayupa. All right, and then and Paco, I've learned that you've you've had some extremely fine education when you were younger. Yes. <laughs> and and is this your first podcast ever being recorded? Probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah, uh, uh, Paco went to the same high school I did, <laughs> which which you know. While we're going to talk about rocket mass heaters soon, I think one quick note about that is that when I grew up, I went to a lot of different schools. And, um, uh, some, some were better than others and some were really kind of horrible. And, um, uh, and I was visiting with my brother the other day about how, um, and I, and I think it really applies to a lot of the permaculture stuff in, in a big, big way. And that is that, um, in some of the schools that I attended, then, um, the norm was hate. I mean, it's kind of like, that's, that's how they showed camaraderie. Look how we can get together and hate on the same person. Or whatever, and and really the the message that was sent out to uh, to the whole community, not just the school, but was, do not ever excel at anything. Do not stand out in any way, because the moment that you stand out, then you are going to be a hate magnet, and you will seriously regret doing anything of interest. And um, and they will, they'll come out and they will shut you the fuck down. And um, Whereas the school that you and I attended, um, it was it was a very different attitude. Um, the rule was decency. It was a Mormon community, and uh, and while I didn't grow up Mormon at all, it was probably about a third of the population there was Mormon. And a you think it's higher than a third, maybe half? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but but it's like all the principals and most of the teachers were Mormon, 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 and um, and it's like, uh, but. You know, with when decency is the rule, then um, I mean every school says we encourage you know excellence, and that's that's really bullshit to the core. But this this school actually did, and I know that when I was there, um, I spent a lot of time on the computers, and they'd kick me out every day at four o'clock because that's when the school shut down. And one day they said, you know what, we went and we talked to the custodial staff, and we've worked it out so you can stay past four now. And, uh, cause you, you know, you're spending your time doing wholesome shit. So we're going to allow that. And, uh, I mean, they just found ways and, and they seem to give a shit. They gave, they just gave a shit about all the kids and they just decency. So it's amazing how you can grow and move forward and innovate and do amazing things. Uh, the other day I was watching a YouTube video. Um, my, my, uh, when I was a junior in high school at this school, my best friend was Ron Gilbert. We hung out all the time. And so I think probably 80% of the people listening to this podcast have no idea who the fuck that is. But anybody who's played games is like, oh, Ron Gilbert. You mean the guy who made Monkey Island? Yeah, that guy. And so, um, uh, and of course, he's moved on to great things and um, and is, is extremely well known. I was looking at some interview with him on YouTube and it was like 600,000 views and it's like, 
really the interview is pretty weak <laughs> and that's and 600 man gamers what a big crowd <laughs> desperate for you know tidbits of information about games i guess um uh but i i think that there's been um like that school's turned out a lot of uh really great folks innovators and and the like um so i i just kind of feel like i don't know we talk about community we talk about you know, uh, how to get, how to get along. Um, and, and then plus, you know, how do we innovate? How do we move forward? And it just seems like embracing decency is the beginning, beginning of it and, and, uh, discouraging, you know, put downs and, and the hate shit. And, and it's like, you've stood out. So now I'm going to fuck up your shit. Um, so, all right. Rocket mass heaters. Um, it, it, I kind of feel like for the four days that you guys have been here, it's like we have done a lot of work. I'm not, I, and I feel like we've, we've, we've learned a lot of things, but I kind of wish we had some more slam dunks. Like, like we tried a thing and that turned out to be crazy kick ass awesome. Or, or that now almost all the projects we set out to make progress on are now done because we're fucking superheroes. Which, by the way, when I say we, I have to say, like, I think I've done hardly any of the work. You guys have done all all the actual labor. I I, uh, I don't know. I think the first day I probably put in a good six hours or so, and then probably two hours a day after that as I'm trying to, like, keep up with crazy on the Internet. Got to have a good leader. It, well, and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, um, fortunately my brother was here for part of it and, um, and then plus, you know, you guys are, are pretty well ramped up and then Tony came back, you know, um, from, from being gone and we're going to talk about Tony being gone and, <laughs> and the whole TP project here. Everything must have just fallen apart while we were gone, I suppose. <laughs> um, things did slow down. I mean, it's like, so there's just Jocelyn and I here and, uh, Tim and his family here. And in a way, it was kind of delicious because it was kind of like, you know, we kind of idled a little bit. <laughs> but um, uh, we didn't, I don't think any big projects were moved forward in a big way while you were gone. Um, we were waiting for you, man. <laughs> now, okay, so so you and Emily are uh, going to be staying up in the teepee all winter. Yes. And by all winter, we mean starting when the thing's done being made. Mm -hmm. And and the workshop ended, and um, uh, there was a rough... Um, um, rocket mass heater put in up there, mm -hmm. and I think we in the previous podcast we talked about how the core that was up there cracked, and we pulled it out, and it and it came out in pieces. And by by saying we pulled it out, I mean you and Emily pulled it out. I wasn't actually there. We pulled it out as delicately as we could, which ended up being about thirty pieces or so. <laughs> right. It. I mean it. It started off with little micro cracks, mm -hmm. and the micro cracks got bigger. And okay, and then and then you built a new core that's much like my core that's mm -hmm. right here in the office. And um, yours is I think yours is better than mine. It and has a heat riser that is 48 inches, and and yeah, that's all I can think of. It's the main difference. Right. And and the heat riser, like 48 inches, is the minimum, mm -hmm. the absolute minimum. If your wood feed is 16 inches. And since most firewood is cut to 15 to 16 inches, then it's like 16 is the the shortest possible wood feed that's that's you know reasonable. And and so um, all right things. So so yeah, you've got your um, um, 
you, you've got a new core up there, and, and you guys put some more cob on there, and then you guys uh, went away for Thanksgiving to go see the, those family units. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and now you're back, but you're going to stay here through Christmas and all the way through till March. Um, yes. Once so we can... the permaculture voices, we we're booked here. Okay, <laughs> all right. And then um, I think I, mean, I went up there one time. Jocelyn and I went up there one time, and we put a fire in it, and it took 20 minutes to get the damn fire started because all your wood and newspaper up there was kind of damp. Um, and I think part of it is because the flaps on the teepee were kind of open. And I think that if somebody were living up there, you probably would have, you know, managed the flaps and then the wood and the paper wouldn't have been damp and yeah. and stuff like that. A teepee is not like a like a vacation home. It's designed to be lived in. <laughs> as long yeah. as it's up, there should be people in it. And yeah. when there's no people in it, then it should be taken down. <laughs> right, right. So, um yeah, we we did finally get the fire started, and and my and one of the things I thought is like, man, I wish I brought my little propane torch with me. <laughs> that would have been so much easier getting this fire started. Mm-hmm. So, um, it seemed to me like the bench was really really firm. But but here's the other thing is that for the last week and a half, every day has been below freezing. In fact, we just kind of finished a cold spell where the temperatures were getting to like 13 below. And we were colder, I think. Was it cold? How cold did it get while you guys were here? I think negative 16. I saw on the forecast one day. All right, so maybe it got down to 16 below. But it was, I mean, we haven't seen it be this cold around here for a couple of years. I mean, I think last year it didn't even get below zero. Um, so we're experiencing unusual cold. And I don't know if the windshield here was as severe as it was in the plains when I was driving across, but. I know down there is like wind chill, negative 29. Was it very windy here? One day. One day. One day we had some wind chill factors, but I don't know what they said it was going to get to. It was cold. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I haven't been looking at the forecast that much. It's, it's just like, um, okay, it's too cold to go mess with cob. I mean, if it's below freezing, that, you know, the cob contains ice. In fact, on one of the projects um, down here at base camp, then um, it's like, oh, let's go and we'll build this um, this external pump and we'll put it on skids, you know, some logs that we can drag the thing around if we want. And um, and it's like we'll put it right here. We just need to level the ground out a little bit. And that's just <laughs> that's just some loose some loose dirt where there's a berm. A month you know? ago, that was a pile of dirt you could have kicked aside. <laughs> some sand and gravel, you know, and it's like, yeah, you could just kind of smooth that out just with your hand, your bare hand. Mm-hmm. And 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 then it was like, oh, well, you know, there got to be some snow on it, and it might have melted a bit. It might, there might be a little ice in there now. So um, we ended up taking a pickaxe to it, and after after like about a minute wailing on it with a pickaxe, it's like, this is like trying to pick at cement. This is this is stupid. I think it was harder than concrete. I think each of us took a turn for about three or four minutes, and we didn't remove like a foot of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like yeah, we're not smoothing this shit out. This is yeah, this isn't gonna work. So it's like okay, Plan B. We need a Plan B. <laughs> that was some frozen stuff. Okay, but but now the cob bench at the teepee. I was thinking like, man, this is like a rock, man. This cob has set. <laughs> and and now you guys went up the last couple of days and put some fire to that. And how set was it? It's getting goopy again. So 
frozen cob looks amazingly like and feels amazingly like dry cob. And the only way to tell the difference is to heat it up. <laughs> all right. All right. So so we're getting we're getting it heated up. We're getting some all day fires up there. Plus the forecast for the next four days is that the high temperatures will be above freezing, even though the low temperatures will still be below freezing. So it, it's still gonna be pretty damn cold. Um okay, so now for the teepee, I've got some notes here. Um one is is uh the pocket rocket. You got a pocket rocket up there as well as a rocket mass heater. Mm-hmm. And uh you've been running that? Yeah, we've been running that in the center, trying to heat up the rock foundation of the cob and then even yesterday we moved it on top of the bench to um heat up the bench directly with the bottom and then also heat the wall that's around the bench and that's been working pretty good it's been thawing things out okay Uh, i really love the pocket rocket (laughs) i've definitely found that out (laughs) while i've been here like pocket rocket simple easy quick hot just no thermal mass so so yesterday, I mean, I know that the pocket rockets, a lot of the pocket rockets I've seen, the down tube gets kind of like, you know, it kind of disintegrates in time. And um, and then it needs to be replaced. And I heard Tim say that he's he had one for a while, and then he had to replace it, and then he replaced it with something thicker. And then yesterday he was telling me that even that thicker metal is, like, degrading. It's like it's got a limited time span. And he said wow. that for – and so this is something I didn't know. And yesterday he said, if you use just a duct – to go down, like you use eight-inch duct to go down in a pocket rocket, then it will last about 20 hours of burn time. And I kind of thought, that means that it's putting a lot of metal out in the exhaust. And and not only that, but it's like there's there's that's a definitely a cost, a pretty pretty high speed cost to having a pocket rocket. So suddenly the pocket rocket went in my mind from being pretty damn cool to pretty damn terrible. I, I mean, if you're going to burn through metal that fast and then have to replace it all the time or get thicker metal, which eventually burns out, the metal in the air plus the expense, it's like not worth it. Pocket rockets suck. Yeah, I suppose if you're building them from new materials, yeah, it's like might not be worth it. If you can source recycled stuff, then it's probably... But even but you're still putting the metal into there. Yeah, yeah. So like, let's say you got like you know 20 of these things. I'll just keep sticking them in there and burning them out. You're still putting metal up into the air, and that is not okay. I, I'm not okay with it. I mean, that that really bothers me. I wonder if there is some way to have like a cast tube for the downfeed tube, since that's the only one that that degrades. Maybe that's a, a step for the future. You get some sort of. Um, am I looking for? Yeah, you might you might get something that's ceramic yeah, or ceramic tube or brick like or you know, you can stack something inside of it that's not going to degrade. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know, it's possible that it's melt I mean, when you look at it, it doesn't look like it melted. It it looks like it just, you know, and it's not like it looks like it rusted either. It looks like it was eaten by tiny metal-eating creatures or something. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it looks like it kind of turns into something crystalline and kind of flakes off mm-hmm. you know so um anyway so the pocket rocket so you got a pocket rocket up there yay um, it's good for the moment while we're we're fighting the battle against the cold i think we're going to phase out the pocket rockets here you know i mean they were they were a big hit at the rocket mass heater event but um until we can solve the 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 decomposing metal thing 
I don't think I don't think pocket rockets are a good idea anymore. Um, next thing I've got on the list is um, wood in the tunnel. Is that Paco? Is that one that you put on the list? Yeah, I think that was pretty self-evident to me that whenever the wood got in the tunnel, basically the the opening, the airflow got restricted, and that's when we would have little puffs of smoke come back at us. So, yeah. you know, I think a lot of our battle. While we're still overcoming other dilemmas and figuring out more things, um, being able to have that tunnel open is crucial. So now, when during the workshops, the one down in the auditorium, uh, people kept putting wood in it, and they would put the wood in diagonally so that it would kind of go into the tunnel a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it would start to just choke the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's like whenever I start to put wood into the wood feed and it starts to kind of go diagonal into the wood tunnel, I take that wood back out. And it's like if it won't stand up straight... Because, yeah, once it starts to go into the tunnel, it just starts to choke the whole system. And we were really noticing in the past two days, when we've been up at the teepee, Paco and I, that when it starts to choke and you do get some of those puffs of smoke back and you notice that it's being restricted in the burn tunnel, you look outside at the exhaust and the exhaust is turning black. It's not it's not burning efficiently. I don't know. The, maybe the fire is not getting all the oxygen it needs. What did you say? It was it's, in. It's kind of in reduction. It's like it's in a reduction burn. So yeah. It doesn't have enough oxygen, and so it's burning really sooty and lining everything with a good caking of soot. Right. Right. Which is contrary to our overall mission. Damn it. Mm-hmm. We want a good clean burn, people. All right. So I think yeah, wood in the tunnel generally a good thing to avoid. Just you know, and, and I think. I know Erica has recently come out with some sort of um, document, some sort of uh, thing that, that she sells on Scubbly that's kind of like a rocket mass heater user's guide. Like, you know, here's how you care for your rocket mass heater. So you have a new rocket mass heater. Here's how you burn appropriately. I haven't looked at it yet, but I probably should. Um, but I think, you know, that's right up there at the top of the list. Always the wood goes in perfectly vertical. Don't let any of it go diagonal into the um, the burn tunnel. So um, the next item I have is green smoke. And and green smoke is a problem that I had in some of the original rocket mass heaters that I made. And um, uh, it comes from the, the burning of anything galvanized. So something something inside has galvanized, like, you know, if you use galvanized duct. And, and in my original designs, I was using uh, galvanized duct on the inside of my heat riser which I will never do again because of the green smoke. And because right in that spot, the metal turns all brittle and flakes away, but including the galvanized crap, which I think is just, when it goes out of smoke, that is just crazy toxic. And it's like, and the fact that it's crazy toxic is like not where I want to be with rocket mass heaters. It's like contrary to the to a, a huge component of the mission. Now, you guys are up there at the teepee. Yeah, the first... Several times we burned it up there, we were just like getting kind of discouraged on account of that. And I think we figured it out um, at this point after burning it. I don't know how many times we burned it up there, but it's been at least a week of burning all together in that new core. Um, but the green smoke has finally subsided, and I think we've nailed it down to the galvanized um, hardware cloth that we put in the cobbish bottom of the heat riser that we had made. We put it in there for structural integrity. And I still think it needed something in there for structural integrity, but that was the galvanized bit we had in there. So you know, a, I, don't I think, think you're going to do that again. I think you didn't need it. Yeah. You know, I think you'd have been fine without the the gal. I mean, what do you think? 
Um, I mean, at the time, it seemed like it was a little falling apart, but we could have built the, built it slower, too. Like, built half of it and then come back and built the other half the next day, and I think yeah. it probably would have been okay. All right. Um, and now let's talk about what is Cobbish versus Cobb. The Cobbish we use now to refer to the perlite cob mix, the heavy heavy clay perlite cob, instead of as opposed to a a light clay that you compact. It's, it's, so it's mostly I don't know what we decided on like 50% clay, 50% perlite, or maybe even more. Well, so it's like um uh the, the normal perlite and clay mix. Is, is something that's been used. It's, it's, it's used here and there for a variety of different rocket mass heater things. But you use just enough cob, and there's the explosion test where if you, you can pack a ball, and then you can pinch the top and bottom, and then it, and then it, it pops apart. As opposed to like, um, if you can't make a ball at all, then you need to add clay. But if you can make a ball, and then you pinch it to the top and the bottom, and it goes smush, then you got too much clay, you need to add perlite. And, um, and so eventually you get to the point where you got just enough clay so that when you pinch it, it pops. And so then that's, that's used for a variety of things for where you really, really need intensive insulation. And the clay will kind of just help to, to kind of get the bits of perlite to stick together. And, and, and it's been very effective. But with Cobbish, what we've done is we've added significantly more clay so that it becomes the, uh, a state kind of like Cobb. And we also have been adding in wool, just just sheep's wool, mm-hmm. and the part of sheep's wool. So, kind of like it's a big mass with you know, clumpy, and then we tease it apart into its little strands so it can be as tensile as possible when it's in the mix. So, um, the wool is going to um, add a lot of integrity to when when it hardens, and and so it's an aggregate. It's a, it's a fiber aggregate in our mix, um, and and that's what I have here in the office. <clears throat> and and the cobbish I have here it has the wool in it. Um, most of it it's probably about sixty to seventy percent the uh, perlite clay mix with with a little bit of wool, um, where it's not cobbish. It's it's just that drier um, stuff. You can shape it into whatever you need, and it's going to make it much much lighter. And then the rest of it is going to be cobbish, like where I needed it to be a very hard hard shape and I needed it to hold that hardness and I needed it to be far more malleable than it was like much higher in clay. And and I think that this thing is I mean the one here in the office is working pretty damn good. Um I mean we've got lots of experiments we're gonna do it and we'll we're gonna talk to it more, but Cobbish. The idea is to have cob that's lighter weight, possibly a little insulative. So um all right. Uh uh the green smoke um, uh, is something that is now passed up at the teepee. And I think that it was part of the mesh that was in. But you know what? I, it seems like, because you guys burned that down here at the auditorium before taking it up to the laboratory. And uh, it seems like it wasn't burning green then. So now I'm kind of thinking that what's happening is, is that um, the core that you have is relatively insulated. So that way the exhaust that comes from the barrel into the manifold is probably warmer than some of the others. And then it passes into the ductwork. And then it's possible that it's so hot that the galvanized stuff 
is like starting to smoke because the very first thing that your stuff goes into is um, a tea for clean out and, and it's galvanized. And so it's kind of like, and then, uh, you know, and the other thing is I was kind of thinking like I bought, I bought a bunch of uh, galvanized ductwork to be, you know, for the mass, but I also bought a bunch of black stove pipe. And my thought with the black stovepipe is the first five feet or so of any mass should be stovepipe because it'll tolerate the higher temperatures better. And then you switch that from that to the duct, which you know won't tolerate it as well, but the duct is way cheaper. And then I get out there to the teepee, and it's like there's this um, line of uh, uh, duct stuff that's for managing some of the exhaust to try and take the exhaust farther away from the teepee temporarily. Mm-hmm. And look there, I can see two bits of stovepipe in that. And it's like, well, if there's two bits of stovepipe right there, then what's the first thing in the mass? And it's it's a cob mass. Um, so it's like getting it perfectly sealed isn't as important as with our pebble style. Mm-hmm. But, um, but okay. But yeah. it, I anyway. think that was like one of those things that got lost in the crazy of, of the, uh, the workshops, you know, so many things were going on. I think the, the, that goal to use the, the stove pipe for that first section, I think that might've just gotten lost in the mix. <laughs> I think that was one of those things. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so I I like the idea that we can build rocket mass heaters at some point that never put out one speck of green smoke. And and I and I like the idea that we're going to eventually come up with ways to be able to do that. And it's possible that one of the things we might want to do is start making our own docked out of cob. I mean, can we come up with some way where we've got it's like okay we're gonna make a piece of duct here we're gonna make an elbow we're gonna make this and that and the other thing and it's just gonna be out of maybe cob or i don't know something something else that doesn't have any galvanized stuff on it and and even the black stovepipe has you know a paint on it and and it's like i'd like to be able to think that someday we can get away from from that and i'm not exactly sure how I love that idea. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't brainstormed on that yet either, but yeah, I would love to get away from galvanized. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get away from the galvanized and the paint mm-hmm. and any metal that might possibly degrade in any way. Um, is it, and I'd like to, you know, can we do something with just cob? Because one of the things we found out, you know, and I think we've talked about this in the previous podcast about these projects is that we found a pit that that I always thought of as just our sharp sand pit. Like you go there and you just dig out this perfect sharp sand, which is great for use in cob, only it does have a little clay in it. And when Erica started fooling with it, she's kind of like, wow, this is like like almost perfect cob. <laughs> it's like, like cob right out of the ground, which can't be because otherwise how the hell would we dig it out with the track hoe? <laughs> you know? So, um, but we, you know, we just add a little clay to it and we're in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, okay, let's make everything out of that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, let's, let's move away from the green smoke. Um, next note I have for the TP is, uh, exhaust via the top of the TP. So the original plan is to vent it out the side of the TP. And um, when we're very first firing it up, it does seem like all of the smoke very much wants to go downhill. 
it's like you know just oozing down now when i went up there and i started the fire then um it took 20 minutes to start and uh finally got it going and there was a little bit of smoke back not too bad but a little bit it's like man this thing is not being really rockety and and I think one of the big lessons that we've got going on is is that um, for this four day thing is we we've encountered a bunch of stuff which we'll go into more detail in a moment about how it does seem like it's a good idea to have more than one pump on the system, um, especially for pebble style. Um, you, 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 I think you definitely need a pump on the tail end of the system if you're doing pebble style. Cob style you might not need it, but it's like. If you're going to have a shit ton of duct, which which seems to be what all of our systems here now have, and it's like, I think one of the big solutions to get things to work better is less duct, shorter runs, fewer turns. Um, that would probably make all of our systems work better, and we will do tests in that space. But um, uh, we kind of got the thought of like... Um, you know, granted that the, the cob mass was so cold, I mean, it's literally frozen, mm-hmm. that when we built a fire in it, that the exhaust that would come out of the end of the system definitely wanted to go downhill. It was definitely sinking. And fortunately, the teepee's in a spot where there is a downhill right there, and it would go down that downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and the teepee, we've never gotten a chance to, you know, to test that. I, any of the the cores with a, a dry thermal mass up there. So we've always been fighting either drying out the mass or, or or thawing out the mass. So by the time the exhaust gets to the end of the run, it is very cold. It has always been under 100, usually I think under 50 <laughs> degrees. Um, I mean, it was built cold. It was cold when you built it. Yeah, even when we were were building the building it with cob, it was still. Chile, we had the pocket rocket going, so it wasn't freezing, but it was still cold, chilly, 40 degrees or something up there. Yeah. And uh, so we've always been been fighting that battle. And but yeah, the the exhaust has always sank coming out, and so we put on that extra bit of I don't know, it was like extra 20 or 30 feet of pipe to get it away from the teepee, and yeah, the exhaust would just roll downhill. And then we were thinking, well. Now that's kind of covered in snow and ice, and it seems like it might actually be acting like that second pump when it's the cold 20 or 30 feet of downhill pipe that was kind of acting like a second pump. Well, I'm going to say nuh-uh, <laughs> because you've got a T in that. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a point where it's like oh, yes. the exhaust can choose to go up or down. And then the exhaust chooses to go down, and it goes down like, I don't know, 15 feet of pipe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but if you capped the other end of the T, then it would be a pump. It would be pulling from the system. That's true. But with that opening there, you've you've broken the siphon, and so it's not being a pump. Mm-hmm. All right, but the moral of today's story is, is that um, Erica's original design, which... We use here in the office. Erica was saying you need to have at least one, and we can put a valve on it where um, it will run up to the roof. So then you have the secondary pump, and it's right next to the barrel. So the barrel heats the air in the vertical riser that goes through the roof. Uh, I shouldn't use the word riser. The vertical chimney. This is kind of a it's kind of a chimney, and um, so it heats that single width, single thickness duct, 
and then it gets warm in there, and then it pulls from the mass while the um, the heat riser pushes into the mass. And so this is working here in the office, and the core that you have up the teepee is very similar to the one here in the office. And it's kind of like, let's just emulate what's in the office. So, and which is what Erica's original design was, is Erica wanted to run um, a chimney along the wall in the um, uh, in the teepee, and and it would go up and through the top and above the top, and um, uh, and then you know the radiant heat from the barrel would then heat that chimney and then you would have your your second pump mm-hmm. so you guys <laughs> you guys put that in yeah yesterday um we put that in uh i do want to get to the the gap part too right well, we're going to get to that in a minute yeah um so after we did the gap testing we we did put in the chimney cuz we're like well let's try and get this thing working like as pumpy as possible so we can dry it out you know as quickly as possible so we did put that chimney the vertical chimney in and just had a brief time to test it yesterday uh, like a maybe an hour okay or less and and the and the vertical chimney the result was it's it was on the edge it wasn't totally clear but it seemed to work a little less good than that downward pipe um, in the cold after you had adjusted the riser height. All right, we're going to get to the riser height in a moment. But just just to be clear, it it kind of seems like the um, the vertical thing wasn't an improvement. Wasn't a slam dunk. No slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do want to add that, that at the moment, we are still fighting that it's a cold thermal battery right now. Right, right, right. And so it's a lot of push it, on the system. You know, you're trying... Now, yeah. you, you also... That... that um, that vertical chimney mm-hmm. that went out the top of the TV. Did you put the pocket rocket near it? Yeah. Yes. At the moment, we've got it near it, so it has help at the moment. So, so <laughs> basically, you're heating that. I mean, the pocket rocket is going to put out a lot of heat, and then and then it's going to heat that vertical chimney, which should then turn it into a secondary pump. I mean, everything inside, all the gases in there should be get, getting heated pretty good, even though they're cold. But that's the idea. Is it's like it's gonna the gases are gonna go like be coming out of the mass cold, but then your chimney um, is getting warmed again, and now it's going to 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 be a secondary pump. Of course, you know the teepee is a pretty big teepee, so it's got a long ways up to go, and it's not like the inside of the cheap teepee is really warm. Although you've got the barrel on the rocket mass heater throwing out radiant heat, and you got the pocket rocket throwing out heat. So it's kind of like there is a fair bit of radiant heat going on. Mm-hmm. But, and, and then of course the exhaust, the smoke stack of the pocket rocket is also going up, and it's probably pointed at the top yeah. of the, and it's, and, and it its was. smoke is, is rising out of the teepee, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's warm up there. But it it wasn't working better. Mm-hmm. And it seems like what we can say is that when your exhaust is cold, whether it's from, you know, like our situation where it's frozen and not in its complete state yet, or if that's your goal, you know, to put out cold exhaust so that you've harvested all the heat, maybe 
that downward pump or some kind of cold pump is a possibility. But maybe there's like more experimentation and tweaks that that we can do. <laughs> See, now I'm kind of thinking, and, and so this is just an idea. This is something possibly worth trying just for giggles. Is what if we took away the eight inch duct? Because this is an eight inch system. So that was eight inch duct that went all the way up and out. And I'm kind of thinking like, because when you look at the amount of exhaust that comes out of the system, especially from a cold mass, I mean, the exhaust that comes out is kind of like, uh, eh. it's like this, this little, it seems like a small amount of just moving really slowly. It's kind yeah, of like it like looks gaseous molasses. Yeah. It's it's not like it's going or or it's like it's moving so fast because it's like if that's a pump, it's not doing shit. You're it's it's like just oozing out so slowly. It's like that's not a pump. So I kind of wonder what would happen if we took that exhaust and we put it on a six-inch duct, or we put it on a four-inch duct, and then it's more like a straw, and then we heat it up, and now it's moving a lot faster, just and then now it's a pump because it's moving faster, whereas now it's like so slow. It's like well, if it's open to the top, it's like cold air above the teepee could kind of go in there and kind of go yeah. Along with uh, whatever else, you know, the the yeah, that's kind of, and and then the other thing is if it's cold and it wants to go down, then we're just taking the primary pump, the heat riser, and we're saying now you must work harder to shove your exhaust out, and and that would that's going to make it work less good as you put it earlier. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's room for for further experimentation in this space is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else about the exhaust at the top of the teepee? Nothing. Paco? Uh, other than the, when it gets out to the top of the teepee, at some point, the thoughts about wind direction and drafting, you know, on the cap might be Sure. thought. Was there a lot of wind that day? Uh, the first day there was a little bit, but last night, no. Yeah, yeah yesterday was like perfectly still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good experimental day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, the next thing is, is the improved barrel gap. Tell us about this gap. Hooray! <laughs> Improved is a word that's really exciting. Um, let's see. It was just something that was itching on my mind just because it's, it's kind of a hard thing to measure when you're installing it. You've got lots of um, things that get in the way of measuring that. but So I was wondering if maybe it wasn't perfect. And so we took the barrel off and measured it with the Cobb squish ball test. Which is a fun one. Who invented that? <laughs> and we measured the I other don't way know. too. Oh, we did do an, an exterior measure. We set up what, what was the word for that? I don't know, a template or a frame. Yeah, just an exterior. Like Jacob staff, so to speak. Jacob staff. Um, and both ways. So yeah, we put a little cob ball on the interior, um, right on top of the heat riser, and then put the barrel back on and squished it, and then took the barrel off and measured that ball. And we did find that our gap on top of the heat riser, between the top of the heat riser and the barrel, was about like an an inch and three quarters, which is right at the bottom of what Ernie said. I think he said two inches was ideal. 
with a quarter inch of play in either direction. Um, but maybe it might have even been an inch and a half in one spot, just because I don't think everything is level up there. So then we raised it up a half an inch um, with cob at the top of the manifold, and then put everything back on, sealed it back up. And so now we're pretty confident it's sitting at two inches to two and a quarter inches um, with that gap. And we burned it, and it was noticeably, uh, noticeably better. There was more draft. I wouldn't quite call it a rocket sound, but it was approaching the rocket sound. So, but but it was definitely rockettier. Yes. Much I, stronger in breathing. Yeah. See, now I think rockettier is is a good metric because it's like it does seem like some of these systems we put together, and it's like, yeah, the flame is burning sideways. It is going in there, but it's like just barely. We're not getting any smoke back, but it's like you know, it's running. It's running slow. It doesn't seem rockety, you know. And then there's other ones where it's like, it's like pulling it in there so strong. It's like, don't get your hand too close. You'll get sucked into the fire. <laughs> so, yeah. and it, it it was noticed to be better, um, given we had lit a fire in it the previous day, so it might have still been warm. But it was, I think it was easier to light as well, because we we adjusted it and then we lit it for the first time that day. Yeah. And it was not as difficult as before. Yeah. It's like priming the pump. And I'm realizing I just don't know as much as I thought I did, but I need to go back and, and figure out, maybe talk to, ask a question of Ernie or something, but the, the why on the two-inch gap is something I need to understand more. <laughs> I've got a video where it's the um, the greenhouse, where we're building rocket mass heaters with greenhouses, and um, at the end of it, Ernie, and the sound quality is really terrible, um, and so we ended up dubbing a lot of it. Um, but Ernie talks about the gap, Ooh, and it's all that. about moving, I mean, where do you want the Taurus um, to be? Like, where do you want, do you want it to put heat out low on the barrel or high on the barrel? And so you move it up and down. And I th I think that as the gap gets closer, um, narrower, smaller gap, then the torus is moved up. And and But on top of that, it can get so hot that you could melt a hole in the top of the barrel when it gets closer. And then when it gets more of a gap, then uh, the heat, the torus moves down the barrel. And, and so I would even think that you might want more of a gap just so that the torus is lower, because the, when the, with a low torus, then um, it's going to put out more radiant heat towards your benchy bits. Well, that, that's exactly what I was thinking yesterday. After seeing the improvement and noticing that the heat had moved from the top of the barrel more towards the side of the top, I was like, I want to move it up another another half an inch, you know, because like I don't need the top of the teepee to be warm. I want the I want my space to be warm, so I was like, that's something that I'm seriously thinking about. Maybe maybe moving it up again. Okay, so now now I just I just want to clarify. I think that that's what he said. I mean, I'd have to go watch the video again to be sure, and and maybe it would be a good one to check with Ernie. Um, you know, but that's that's my recollection. Um, but I've just all I've been doing is just you know trying to keep them to the. It's an inch and a half for a six inch system, and it's two inches for an eight inch system. And um, uh, you know, moving on to other things, kind of a deal. And but but yeah, I think I think for you it might be worth making that modification. Mm -hmm. So um, but but Erica will know, and Erica will be here. Uh, I think today. 
So, and we'll be able to ask her. Um, all right. I think, so I've got the improved gap. The bench was frozen, uh, damp wood. Um, I think that's everything for the teepee. Anybody else got anything else about the teepee? It's beautiful up there right now. Just absolutely gorgeous. The snow everywhere. Ugh. It, it, it is a, a lovely patch of, uh, um, forest land up there, the, the laboratory. Yeah. Um, all right. Next, um, uh, we've got, we've got the office stuff and the office is like, I think, I think the, the, one of the functions of the office rocket mass heater is not only is it working, the only one that's working reliably day after day and, um, we just keep doing stuff with it and to it, but it's, I think it's also our primary experimental bed. I mean, it's in a, it's in a spot where it's really easy to modify it. Plus, you know, I'm sitting with it all day long, every day. And so, um, uh, it's like we can, when we test it, then we've got somebody sitting right here monitoring it to see how the test is going. And so, um, one of the things is, is like, I think on the first day we all got together, we started fooling around with this and, um, and this has got like a lever that is supposed to make it so that we can choose whether it goes out the wall or out the roof. Only we found out that once you get a fire going, and then you say, and now I want you to go out the wall instead of out the roof. Well, the, 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 the vertical pipe that goes through the roof is, of course, your secondary pump. It's going to get, it's right next to the barrel. It's going to get heated by the barrel. And you can see pictures of all this out at Permies. Um, but it's going, uh, we, we try and shut it off, but it still keeps pumping. It's such a powerful pump. It's, it's working so hard as a pump. That, um, whatever gaps are in that flap inside, it's like sucking exhaust around those gaps so much that nothing goes out the wall. And so it basically just slows the system down. It just slows the pump down, but it still pumps. And so when we go outside, we still see exhaust going out the roof and nothing going out the wall. And then when we try, after like five minutes, ten minutes of doing this, you put your hand on uh, on the exhaust for going at the wall, and it's still crazy cold. Um, you know, like your hand might stick to it um, because, you know, the sub-freezing temperatures that we have. Um, so, but the other thing is, is that uh, Erica designed this so that the far end of the mass has like this metal plate with two cleanouts on it. And at one point in time, we decided um, to send it out the wall, which it kind of was saying, I don't want to. And so one of the things we have installed now that Ernie and Erica put in when they were last year um, is that they put in an external air intake, which comes in at the floor and then it goes up. And, and what's really, really cold outside, like it's been, then um, the the warmth of the room heats the air in that, and it becomes a secondary pump. So, but it's a push, so it pushes into the wood feed, and and then of course then there's the primary push, which is the the heat riser, and no pull. So then what started to happen is is that we would look at those cleanout ducts on the far end, and um, we could see little tiny wisps of smoke coming out. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, uh-oh, that's, that's not good. We don't want any smoke in the house. And, and so, um, 
kind of getting the idea of like, well, you know, Cobb style have clean outs too, but um, I'm perpetually worrying about how the duct work buried inside of all the pea gravel might not be a perfect seal and there might be leaks. And so if there are any leaks, then it's going to just be pushing out into the room exhaust, which normally should not be a big deal. But I have noticed at times that when we, you know, try to route things out the walls of the roof, the air gets a, the air in here gets a little tangy, and I'm not sure what it is. But I imagine it's it's the exhaust. Even though we've been seeing some very clean burns, we can monkey with this to where, like, especially when we're trying to route things out the wall, we see the smoke get smoky. We see it smoke instead of just being steam. So um, I'm I'm it makes me nervous. I, but I do kind of think that having a second pump on the end is a good way to make sure that all the exhaust gets outside and thus a much cleaner system for those that are trying to make a go of it inside. Um, so as far as um, uh, the need for a double pump, I mean, okay, I'll, I'm just going to move on to the next item on the list, the external pump. So Derek threw together an external pump um, and, and to hook up to the wall. And the idea was is it's, it's very much like a um, the riser and barrel. In fact, so for the riser, there's duct wrapped in just regular old fiberglass um, uh, insulation, mm-hmm. and that's that's the riser. And the barrel is a barrel, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like the temperatures we're talking about are like eh, seventy degrees to. Maybe the high, hottest we will ever see for like five minutes would be like maybe 140. So yeah, we're not, we're not as worried about the temperatures as we are inside the, the riser and barrel, you know, that's, that's the main place where all the adventure happens. And so then we thought, well, if it's 10 degrees outside, which we've seen a lot of 10 degrees during these last four days, and the air temperature is 70, the exhaust temperature is 70, that's enough of a differential that it should activate as a secondary pump. So, Derek put it all together, and Derek, what happened? Uh, basically, it it didn't fully work. Um, okay, by by didn't fully work, I I want to modify that to say it didn't work at, at all. all. Yeah. And and now is it because what you built is stupid and sucks? It's no, my what I built is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's mainly because the valve is not fully sealing. So since the chimney going out the ceiling is already warm, that's pulling the exhaust out before it gets a chance to go out the wall. Yeah, I I agree. We never got a chance. It it never got tested at all. I mean, we it sat out there, and we tried everything we could to kind of try and get the warmer. So basically, um, what we're doing is is that my brother Tim is building a guillotine, and and it, and what we're going to do is we're going to install it in such a way that it will fully and completely and thoroughly block the the vertical chimney. So when we want to run it out the wall, it will go out the. It has nowhere else to go. We will thoroughly block that route. And then we'll be able to test this. And I, and I think, and you know, and it's still, it's still something to try. It's still, still something to test. And, um, but I think once we get some heat going to it, I think it will start to pump. 
and and it will it, it will be a secondary pump but you gotta you gotta prime that pump and um i i do worry a little bit about whether or not it'll be as effective as a vertical chimney but i i also think that if we can get to work even a little bit then we can start to explore the space of getting it to work a lot um so it's 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 worth it's worth tinkering with any other thoughts on the ex- external pump uh, no, no. Okay. All right. One one of the things that we did notice on the first day when we were trying to get the exhaust to go out the wall, <clears throat> as opposed to out the roof, is even with the damper flapper switched so that it was trying to go out the wall, there still was enough draft in the chimney that if you held a match or a lighter uh, to the exhaust out the wall, it was actually sucking in and then coming out the chimney still. Um, so I think, like you're saying, once we get that guillotine in there, we'll actually be able to see a test. I also think that once we get, if we can guillotine, guillotine, guillotine you know, yeah, um, plug, um, even even the one at the wall, I think the one at the roof will be more powerful. Because, yeah, I think I, the way it's currently configured, um, uh, that pump will get going and the system works good and everything, but I think it's still sucking air from the, the wall hole. Thus, it's not as pumpy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think, I think that, uh, we'll, we'll see improvements all around. So, Absolutely. but we're also talking about like, let's take the hole in the wall right now and move it about a foot and a half lower. Cause right now, when you're shooting it at the wall, it's kind of an unfair test anyway. Because the one at the wall has two more 90-degree angles, which counts as like 10 more feet of duct. And that's kind of kind of unfair. So we're going to rig things up in such a way that um, it'll be a more fair test. We'll start at lower also. And and I think with with the thing that, that, Derek, you've now built for the external pump, that we can keep it as is, only it's like the... Um, the riser, the external riser, will be taller. Will be a foot and a half taller. So maybe that'll even be a, a, a superior pump. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And and I think that we'll put it into a shed and bring the exhaust down much much lower. So that way, even the downward exhaust will be will be more significant, possibly. So um, uh, for the office, let's see what else have we got here. Um, we're you know, you talked about the damper flapper. I mean, we've been pointing at this thing and like, what do we call this? And uh, and so basically it's a T where at the workshop, uh, a couple of people, and I think it was Meg and possibly Mr. Ettridge, um, modified a T to uh, put a, um, uh, a valve in it. And so when you rotate this lever that they put in it, then it moves a flap inside so in theory it will plug um one way or the other so you you choose which way you want things to go but it's not a perfect seal it's it's a pretty good seal but um i think that it's um i think we need we just need something we need to take it up a notch we need to we like this this thing as is will probably plug like 92 percent something like that and and we're looking at like can we get it up to 99.5% of a plug? And and I think I think Tim's got some designs in that space. He bought some materials um, and uh, to 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 do something that would be um, 
kind of a valve that would go inside of a, like a flu valve. A lot of flus will have something where you could turn it kind of like this. But we're also getting the, um, you know, he's made some very elaborate um, uh, guillotines. And uh, and so we're going to start experimenting with these and, and see if we like them or if we want to do something slightly different. Um, all right. So the damper flapper is the thing that's currently in there. And we're going to replace that somehow. Um, thaw central. Oh, right. Because this thing's working so good. And the mass is kind of a little different on this one than most masses. Then it's like everybody is taking everything outside that's frozen and bringing it inside and putting it on the mass. Uh, and then once it's thawed enough, then we move it near the mass, off the mass and near the mass. But it's like, we've got like 40 different little projects. Well, not 40, maybe what, 12 little projects where it's like, this got too cold, so let's put it on the mass. And this got too cold, so let's put it on the mass. Because the mass is working. I mean, you put your hand into the pea gravel and it's like, and it's and the fire last fire was last night and you put the you put your hand in the pea gravel in the morning and it's like oh yeah there's still a lot of heat in that mass. Um, in fact, I think last night I went to bed and it was 70 in here and this morning it was 56, and um, and it's definitely sub freezing outside. And you have a lot of air leaks in this room. Yeah, this this room has been getting a lot of remodeling done to it. Um, um, it was kind of dark and cave like. And um, um, between the last round of Ernie and Erica being here and this round of rocket mass heater stuff, then uh, uh, Tim took out some of the little windows and put in much larger windows. And where the little windows were, he just kind of boarded it up. <laughs> and and there is no insulation there. So we're in, we've got some spots. That it's, and it's like, there's actually, you can actually see outside. So it's like, yeah, this isn't exactly airtight, nor is it insulated. And so I think we're doing pretty damn good considering. Mm -hmm. um, and there's other things. I mean, this, this space is in many ways unfinished. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's settle on a lot of different, you know, whatever we're going to do to monkey with it before we start, you know, finishing it, I guess. And I think there's higher priorities. I mean, Stuff at the lab, all these experiments with rocket mass heaters, they're, they're all higher priorities. So um, making this look pretty in here is, might be a couple years down the road. This podcast is continued in part two.